If you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you can either click to, turn to with me to Luke chapter 15. Uh, Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to be today. Fact is, over the last several weeks, we have been uh, walking through the book of, of Luke, Luke chapter 15. Uh, we've kind of done it, and I chose to do it in reverse order uh, to where we started out. We started out with, uh, with, uh, with the older brother and talked about the tragedy of an offended spirit and what happens when we just live with an offended spirit and like everything offends us and the cost that comes as a result of that. And then I just started backing through the, the book of Luke, if you will. And so now, this morning, or this weekend, we're going to look at the book of Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 24, as will be this morning. If you have your electronic devices or, or old school leather Bible with paper in it, uh, you can either click to, turn to. If not, the words are going to come up on the screen in just a few minutes as I, as I read the verses to help you, help you follow along. Well, I've entitled this message, Finding... Uh, what you're looking for. Because this is a parable that Jesus tells. It's fascinating to me that Jesus begins to tell this, this parable to the Pharisees and to those that, the others that were in, in that area about his love and his concern for us and his, his, the, the value that we have to him. And so, so, the, so have you ever lost, let me ask you this, you don't have to ask, answer it out loud, but have you ever lost anything of value? I mean, one of the ways that I know that something has value to me is that when I lose it, I actually look for it. I mean, if you're like me, there's things I can lose and I don't even look for them. I mean, I can lose like a pen that you get at a bank or, or you know, a, a hotel or, or something that a salesman or salesperson has mailed you, and I lose, that, I lose that pen. I don't even look for it. You know why? Because I know, you know what? It doesn't have a lot of value. I mean, I'll, I'll find another one. Uh, my readers, those of you that are my age and you have readers around the house, you know this, right? I buy them like five at a time for a buck at Sam's, I think the way it is. And so if I, if I lose readers around the house, I don't, you know what? I don't even look for I figure, you know, I figure, you know what, another pair of turn up somewhere. And so one of the ways that I know that something has value is if I'm, if I'm willing, to lo- willing to look at it. And so, but everything changes, right, when we lose like a cell phone? I mean, it's like our life depended on it, right? I mean, if we've lost a cell phone, I, I have a friend that told me that if you, ever, if you ever find me without my cell phone, you know, dial 911, there is something wrong in my life. And, and isn't it wild that you and I, we can lose a cell phone and we think our, our, we think our life is coming to an end. Uh, many years ago, we took the kids, and this is like when f- cell phones were first coming to where like they were like halfway affordable, and so we bought the next telephones, and those of you that were in construction or whatever, you know what that is. I mean, it was a phone about this. I mean, it literally, it was a size about that. You could not put it in your pocket. It weighed about 100 pounds, and, and so it was a cell phone, but it also was a two-way radio to where you could, you know, you could go back and forth, and I, I hated that thing. But I had to have it because we had to have it 24-7, and so we went to Tinseltown to see a movie with the kids late one night. Uh, we were leaving about midnight. It was snowing. We get home, no cell phone. I couldn't find it, you know, and life stops, right? And so we started searching through cars and everything else, and then I decided to call it, and the manager of Tinseltown happened to answer it. And so somebody turned it in, and he says, hey, just, you know, it's a bad snowstorm outside. Just come and get it in the morning. I go, no, I am driving now. I am dry. I'm on my way. Just hang on. And so if, can I just tell you this? I've even lost a whole human at once. I mean, I don't know if you've lost a human, but I have literally lost a human. Uh, we were here for about a year, 
And so we had a family in our church, and so they had girls about our daughter's age, and, and our girls got along really well together. And he says, hey, why don't we go to the state fair together? Because the state fair in Pueblo, big deal. We'll guide you through that whole process. And so we went to the state fair with them. And so something happened, and everybody needed to go to the restroom except for me and their son, Jeremy. And so, uh, so Karen says, well, just to, the, to, the, to, to, to her friend, just leave Jeremy with Charlie. Charlie can watch Jeremy. She says, are you sure? Jeremy has a habit of, of, of wandering and getting away. No, Charlie's responsible. You know what? You can trust Charlie. And so, so they told me to stand here, and we're standing like in the carnival where all these massive amounts of people are moving back and forward. And it's my first time at the state fair, and I'm naturally a people watcher. Oh, my word. I mean, that is a place to watch people. And so I am getting distracted because I happen to be ADD. And so all of a sudden, everybody comes out of the restroom, and Jer Jeremy's mom goes, where's Jeremy? I go, well, he's right here. And, I, and he is not there. <laughs> I don't know where he is. I watched a frantic mom, and mad at me, uh, scream, Jeremy, Jeremy. And she's like running through the crowd. And so now we're all like searching for Jeremy. And, and I'll, I stumbled upon this like sign in this building that said lost and found. And so I, I went in there and there's Jeremy, you know, and they had already given him a snow cone. So he had been there for a while. And so they gave him a snow cone. <laughs> and I'm like, I, listen, I'm going to have to go back out there, so I'm going to need one, too. I'm going to need a, a snow cone, too. And so one of the ways that you can tell something of value to you is whether you search for it or not, and then the matter, manner in which you search for it or the panic in which you search for it. So this is what happened. Jesus all of a sudden is confronted with some Pharisees. And the Pharisees make these accusations. These Pharisees say that he, he is the person that sits with sinners and eats with them. In other words, they were saying that he's a sinful person because he, he doesn't hang out with the religious. He hangs out with the irreligious. He's not hanging out with, with the church people. He's hanging out with the non-church people. Here's the amazing thing about the ministry of Jesus Christ. In his day, the religious people were repelled by him. The religious people didn't like him. The irreligious people were drawn to him because of his love and because of his acceptance. And so they make this accusation, and Jesus does something in communication that this is the only place that he does this. And this is why Luke chapter 15 is so important to me, and I'm so impassionate about communicating the principles of Luke 15. Jesus rattles off three parables, three stories back to back. Usually what he does, it's one parable, and then he kind of applies it and helps them to understand it, but not this time. It, he rattles off. Why? Because people have value to him. He cares about people. So he tells them three parables with four silver, thre silver threads that like connect all three stories together. And so what I thought we would do this morning is let me read these. It's 24 verses. It's a lot of verses. But I want you to get the context, the feeling of the story. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you the four th uh, silver threads or the four principles. And so here's what the scripture says. And and again, Jesus is communicating to them as you listen to this and as you read along silently as I read aloud, Jesus is communicating the value that he has for you, the value of people. And so verse 1, and all the tax collectors or sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they, they were like angry. They're like complaining this man welcomes sinners, and not only that, he eats with them. I mean, the clean with the unclean. And so, so they're, they're complaining. So, so then Jesus told them this parable. 
Here's the first one. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he, when he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together saying to them, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And he tells them another story. And I tell you, in the same way, there, there, will, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 right, righteous people who do not need repentance. So now here's the second story, verse 8. Or what woman who has 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me because I found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. He also said, here's another story. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate, and I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he'd spent everything, a severe salmon, uh, famine struck the country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs, and he longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one, no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up. I'll go to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, he threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, Bring out the, ro the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. Let's celebrate with a feast because, his, because this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you. We just thank you for these stories. We just thank you for these parables. We just thank you that you are communicating to them and you, communi you communicate to us our value in, in you. This morning, may we know how much we are loved by you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you four things this morning when you just walk through this, these three parables with four silver threads together for us to understand, for you to understand how much he values and how much he loves people. The first one is this, is, is there's a lost possession. That's the first thing that we noticed in all three stories. The one common thread, the one common theme that read through there is there is a lost possession. So verse 4, there was a lost sheep. So you have to ask yourself the question, how does a sheep get lost? It just wanders off. It's not intentional. 
It's, it's, it's unintentional. When you look at sheep, they're a defenseless animal. They're not very wise. They're not very smart. They need a shepherd. They need someone to guide them. They need someone to protect them. They cannot defend for themselves. They have none of that ability. And yet, when you look at a sheep, you realize that a sheep, the way that a sheep gets lost, and you go to Israel, you can talk to shepherds, and, and they will tell you the same thing even in their time is, is they shepherd sheep, uh, that, that sheep will get lost, distracted all by themselves. And so we don't know what happened, but we know in the case of the sheep that it was not intentional, whether it just started feeding and grazing and taking one step after another, and then all of a sudden it's separated from the shepherd and it's separated from the, from, from the others, and, 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 and they're oblivious to their surroundings. And when you look at this, people can get lost that same way too. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't all at once. It wasn't a decision that they made. They just slowly wandered off. Whether they quit some rhythms, whether they quit reading scripture, whether they quit going to Bible studies, whether they quit listening to worship music, whether they quit going to church and, and online or in person or whatever, and they got to this place that it wasn't intentional. It wasn't like one day they woke up and said, I'm out of here. It was just they, they quit some rhythms. They just quit some rhythms, and all of a sudden they ended up in a place where they had wandered off and no longer like connected to the community and no longer connected in scripture or worship or, or, or whatever to, to, to him. And, 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 and you, you see that and you realize that just as God cared about the sheep, God cares about you even when you're in that state. And then you see a, a lost coin in verse 8. And so you have to ask yourself again, so how does a coin get lost? I mean, what is the, what is the issue with this? Why is this so important? Why is it so important this lady would get frantic and go to this, it, uh, um, this get so frantic that she would go to these measures to find this coin? And so, so it was like a necklace or, or, or quite possibly more like a headdress. And there were, there were 10 coins in that that headdress. And so it'd be 10 silver coins. This was important because this was like, this was like the mark of a married woman. And so it must be like a wedding ring of today. And so it's 10 silver coins. Uh, she had to work hard for it. It's part of her dowry. She had to work hard for this. And so all of a sudden now, then no longer does she have 10 coins in her headdress. She only has one coin in her headdress. And it would take years for her to acquire this. And so it, it, it was tragic circumstances. The tragedy was this, that, that it could be symbolic of broken intimacy with her husband, that something's wrong in the marriage, that something's wrong going on in her life. And it could be out of tragic circumstances when you look at this situation issue. And when you look at this, people can get lost that way too, to where they can have broken intimacy. Maybe it was over a tragic circumstance. Maybe it was a loss of a friend. Maybe it was a loss of a marriage. Maybe it's something that you went through. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a medical diagnosis. Maybe it was a loss of job. Maybe it was a loss of income. Maybe it was a loss of security. Maybe you came to the place and all of a sudden it was like tragic circumstances that, that messed up your equilibrium. And you says, I, I didn't think it was going to be like this. I didn't think God was going to, I didn't think I was ever going to have to walk through a situation, circumstance like that. And as a, as a result, all of a sudden it caused you to maybe push scripture away or push Christianity away or some other things or push God away. See, people can lose their intimacy with God much like that, much like that coin. Because obviously what happened is that she dropped her headdress and nine coins fell flat and one coin rolled away. And sometimes, sometimes it's tragic circumstances 
that people go through and they get offended and they roll away. And that other person may not even know what they're offended over. And then you look at the son, verses 12 and 13. How, does, how did the son get lost? Well, it was intentional. It was premeditated. I mean, the son just came to the place, even though the father who represents God, even though the father was loving and cared for him, met his needs, gave him his share, not the father's share, but gave the son's share to him. And then he, he packed up, intentional, took him a few days, and then he headed off to a distant country to where he came to the place and says, I'm not going to live under your rules. I'm not going to live with you any longer. I'm going to go to a dis 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 distant country, and I'm going to live in freedom, and I'm going to do as I please. For him, it was intentional. And the first thing that you see in this is there's a lost uh, possession. But when you are lost, it brings something else. When you're lost, there is a lonely place. When you're lost, regardless of how you got lost, regardless of how you got separated, there is a lonely place. See, isolation. Isolation always brings loneliness. And, and God did not create us to live in isolation. God created us to live in a relationship with him. And God created us to live in a relationship with, with others, to have Christian community and believers around us that could pray for us and encourage us. And, and, and one of our greatest accomplishments in life is we live in community with other believers. We live in the context of community because we were created for deep relationships a deep relationship with God and a deep relationship with, with, with others. And, and, and so it brings loneliness. It brings isolation. That's, that's what happened to Jeremy when I found him and lost and found, right? I mean, there was isolation. There was loneliness. There was all of those. But when you look at this, with the, the sheep that wandered off, it brought insecurity. I mean, the sheep was fresh meat for the wolves. It was a defenseless animal. There was nothing that sheep could do to bring safety, to protect itself. The sheep needed, the sheep needed a shepherd to guide, to direct, to protect, to keep safe, to feed, and, and to make decisions for. For the, the sheep, it brought insecurity. And then you look at the coin. The coin came this, this loss of purpose and life. And this headdress, this headdress was worth nothing without that one coin. It'd be like a wedding ring today that is missing the setting, that is missing the stone. I mean, it, it's like worth nothing. It has no value. It has no purpose. It has no, it has no meaning. It needed in their culture, their context, it needed 10 coins. Sometimes when people go like this, when people go through tragic circumstances with a, with a diagnosis, a broken relationship, hurt and pain in their life to where their, their equilibrium with God has been just totally rocked and totally shaken, that it, it brings in their life a feeling like, I no longer have any purpose. I no longer have any, what, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of this relationship with God? And it shakes everything, and you see that in this issue of the coin, and then you look at, you look at the sun. And what came with the son, what, what brought the son was this, this issue of just emotional pain. And you know he's in emotional pain, and just for homework, you can go back and like read the story later. We won't back back through the story. Most of the conversation in the story when the son is mentioned, you know what he's doing? He's talking to himself. He's having that conversation. Maybe you've gone and maybe you've been in emotional pain. And you continually rehearse the hurt and the pain over and over and over, saying the same story. I mean, it's just like a, it's like a, a tape or, well, that some people, younger people may not, oh, what is a tape? So, 
It's like, an, it's like a podcast on repeat that goes over and over and over in your earbuds and will not let up. And you know when it really turns on? When, you, when there's silence. And you're about ready to go to bed when you lay your head on a pillow. And it seems like the podcast comes on. That's why some of us can't take solitude and silence. Because of that MP3, that podcast is playing over and over. And it's not playing your highlights. It is playing your, your lowlights. This is his son. He's in emotional pain. He's lamenting over his decision, what he's done, his personality. He's rehearsing his speech, what he's going to say to his dad. You ever done that? You ever been in emotional pain? And you're rehearsing what you're going to say to that individual? Isn't it interesting? Every time, every time we rehearse that speech in our mind, we win, right? They go, oh, my gosh, you are so right, and I was so wrong. And this son is in emotional pain, and he's caught in the whirlwind of his mind. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're carrying some emotional pain right now. Maybe last night for you was the rehearsing of a podcast over and over in your mind. And you just, you just seem like you cannot move forward because of it. You're like a, a, ship, a, a ship that is that is adrift in like a raging sea. And I want you to know God cares about you and God loves you. And you have value to see this is his point. This is Jesus' point. This is why this Luke chapter 15 is one of my favorite uh, stories in the gospel. Because he's, Jesus has taken a different groups of people and saying, regardless of where you find yourself, Regardless of where I want you to know you have value to me. I want you to know I love you. So here's the third thing. All of a sudden in the story you see an aggressive seeker. The amazing thing in the story is there is someone that is aggressively seeking after the one that is lost, after the one that is strayed. With the sheep, you find a shepherd, right? A shepherd is aggressively looking for the, the sheep. I mean, he's willing. It just seems, it seems insane to us. It doesn't even seem right that he would leave the 99 for the one. But he cares about the one. He cares about the one that is strayed. And, and when you realize the danger in Israel, and you can go there and you realize that a lot of the pasture land, well, for one, it's just very scarce. You can't find a lot of it. The second thing is this. It's usually long and narrow with deep canyons on each side. And so the danger is, is that if a sheep wanders off, that probably it's going to fall to its death. Probably it's going to die. See, a shepherd was responsible for the sheep. And in their culture, in their context... If a, if a shepherd lost a sheep, if a sheep died, the shepherd just couldn't show back up to the owner or show back up in town and simply say, I lost a sheep. He had to still find the sheep. And the sheep had died. He had to carry the fleece with him to prove because the shepherd was responsible. With the coin, you find the frantic wife. I mean, this, this wife, in, in their day, in their time, their homes weren't a lot like ours. They didn't have, like, electricity and, and high-powered lights or anything like that. And so what they had was they usually only had one window. It was a one-room home. They only had one window about 18 inches square. And so whether it was night or whether it was day, it was dimly lit. 
this happened to be at night, and so she had to light a lamp. And, and with their lamps and their candles, not a lot of lumens. I mean, it wasn't like today where we could have a, a Q-beam or a mag light or something like that. It, that was not their time. And then what made matters worse, the flooring was made of reeds, made of straw. And it's literally like finding a needle in a haystack. And she was willing she was willing to pull all the flooring, if you will, out of the house and still didn't find it. And then she swept the house and she found it with the, with the son. The aggressive seeker is a faithful father. I mean, he spends his time scanning the horizon, hoping this will be the day the prodigal comes home. This will be the day his son comes to his senses, what the scripture says. This will be the day. And although we're not told in scripture that the father ever rehearsed his speech. All we get to see in Scripture is the, 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 the speech that the prodigal rehearsed. But I am willing to bet the father rehearsed his speech. This is what I'm going to say to my son when he comes home. This is how I'm going to respond. This is how I'm going to accept him. I mean, when you look at this, you realize that in this story, it captures God's passion and love for us. Let's just grab a little bit of this, verse 20. When he saw his father, so the son says, verse 20, so he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran through his arms around his neck and he kissed him. And so the principle there is just real quickly, and I just tell you, God is always watching for our return. He's not judging us. He's always watching for our return. Uh, when you see that phrase, filled with compassion, it means God cares. It means to be moved to action. It means to be moved down deep in, in, in your gut. I mean, when you realize this word compassion is a deep word. And then here's the crazy thing. It says the father ran to him. God always takes the first step. You may think you took the first step to him, but I need to let you know God took the first step to you. A lot of times in church we like to say, hey, this is when I found God. No, God found you. God had been searching for you. You see it in this story. And then you see when the, when the father threw his arms around him that he wanted his son to feel secure. See, in their culture, in their time, when, they, when a father would hug a son, I mean, it was like he was laying his whole weight. He was wrapping his son up, is laying his whole weight on him so that he would feel secure. I mean, it means he literally fell on his son to protect him and that God wants you and I to feel loved and to feel wanted and feel valued. That's why he kissed him. And when you look at this, you realize that he had a lot of deep love for him. But you see this transition between verses 17 and 18 in the son's life. And so what happened? The scripture says he finally came to the place that he came to his senses. He finally came to that point to realize the love of the father. It was the love of the father that drove the son back to him. The character of his dad, the character of God, he knew that he loved and accepted him. And the last and the final principle is this, is that in each story there was a joyful party. In each story, there was just a celebration. Verse 6, you find that the shepherds, through this, this celebration, and, and usually the, the community or many people around them would join in. And then, then verse 10 with the, with the coin, that there was like this house party. It was just for their immediate family. And there's just like this house party. There's this celebration. And then with the, with, with the sun, I mean, it is community-wide. It is like a Texas-style barbecue. I mean, they smoked a lot of meat. They, they brisket and ribs, and, 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 and I'm getting hungry. I'll move on. 
And the ministry of the church should emulate that. Last night after the Saturday night service, I had a, a young couple came up to me and said, that's crazy you were talking about losing a wedding ring and losing something. And he said, my wife just today lost her wedding ring. She got home from shopping and running some errands and she, errands and she lost her wedding ring. And we, it, was, it, was like, it was like a frantic search. It was a frantic search. We, we tore the house apart. We tore the car apart. We, we retraced her steps. And, and we went, we, we, uh, and, and, and so, I mean, we, we went to the different stores and we, we, we couldn't find it and we were panicked. And, and so, and, and this is a long, drawn out story. And I was like, well, just tell me, did you, did you find the ring? And they go, oh, we found the ring. And I says, well, where'd you find the ring? And they're like, Walmart. Somebody found it and turned it in. They're like, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. And so they were celebrating that. And that's much like this story that when others join in, just like for Jeremy, when Jeremy was lost, a lot of people entered into the search looking for Jeremy. And honestly, it will take for you and I, if we wander away from him to return, is we have to honestly evaluate where we are. That's why the son says he finally came to his senses. He finally evaluated where he was. And, and then we have to make a decision to, to go home and to, to, to be welcomed back in. Verse 18 and 19, look at this. He goes, I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your sin. Make me like one of your hired workers. See, he did not understand, like many of us, how much God loves us. He couldn't believe that he could be reinstated to sonship. He could be reinstated to God's son. Fact is, he didn't know if he was still God's son. He said, just make me like one of your hired workers. I, I, you couldn't accept me back in the house. I couldn't come back in the house. You know what? If you'll, if you'll just leave me out in the hired workers area, that'll be good. See, that's all he thought. And so verse, verse 25, 21, then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Here's the crazy thing. Verse 22, the father interrupts him, doesn't even let him finish his re rehearsed speech. He had this rehearsed speech planned out. And the father, like, immediately reinstated him and immediately forgave him. He could not believe that he could be reinstated without some punishment, some form of punishment. In verse, tw verse, verse 22, but the father told his servants. I mean, he's not even talking to the son. He turns to his servants and said, it's time to celebrate. My, my son is home. And he goes, but the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead, is alive again. He was lost and found. So they begin to celebrate. It's symbolic. What he did, it's symbolic of the blood of Christ over our sins. It's symbolic. What, what we celebrated just a few minutes ago, right? With, with communion. And what that looks like. And, and all, all, God, all God wants, when we, regardless of the circumstances, is us to return to him. Whether we're like the sheep and we just slowly wandered away and don't even know how we got in that place. It was just broken rhythms. Whether it was like the coin and it was just tragic circumstances in our life and tragic problems in our life. Or whether it was the sun and it was like the sun and it was our choice. That God wants us to understand. I mean, I'm telling you, Luke chapter 15 over my life of being a Christian has ministered to me greatly of God's love for us, trying to communicate the value, the value that every one of us has. Would you bow your heads with me and 
close your eyes.